book of James. As you know, we've been studying this book. And it's been amazing. It's, James is uh, fairly direct and to the point. And uh, a lot of Bible scholars have said that his, his book is more like you know, a, a modern equivalent of the book of Proverbs. He is the Renaissance man of, of, uh, of Proverbs, really. So every line almost is, is something meaty to chew on. And, and really, we've just scratched the surface going through some of the things that he's had to say. Um, so it's important to take it in mind. It's almost like eating, um, have you ever had that pan forte or pan fort, uh, the Italian dessert cake? It's so delicious. Oh, I love it so much. Someone gave it to me for Christmas last year. I was like, oh, I can, uh, you're only supposed to eat a little bit at a time, but I just kept slicing off more and more and more. But it's this really dense, it's got nuts and dried fruit and sugar and chocolate and spices. It's, it's dense. There's something really, really substantial about it. And that's what the book of James is like for me. It's, there's so much in every morsel. Um, so we're skimming the surface and today we're looking at chapter number five of James. And um, actually there's so much that we can learn out of this. But really, you know, uh, we've mentioned it before, Oasis Church, what do we stand for? What, what do we hope for you? It's that you would find life, that you would grow, and then, then you would be able to make a difference yourself in your own life. Well, today's sermon is really about the grow part, really about for you guys to grow. And uh, we've got to understand that, yes, we're all human beings. Yes, we're broken at some, in some way. We are broken vessels. I love that song. And, uh, and Paul talks about being earthen vessels. Um, but we don't, want, we don't want to stay like a broken vessel, do we? We don't want to rem- we're not, our destiny is not to be smashed. Our destiny is not to be a series of you know, complicated, uh, broken bits of um, pottery on the ground. We're actually, w- when we walk with the Holy Spirit, He mends us. He makes us beautiful again, doesn't He? And that's what I'm talking about today. We've got an opportunity to grow people. And um, I was just looking at, uh, there's this Japanese uh, form of repairing broken pottery. It's called kintsugi. And uh, I've got some photos up here, which I'll show you now. So the Japanese believe that instead of trying to cover up the past, the broken parts of the past, um, you can chuck that up now if you, if you like, Wayne. Um, instead of looking at the, that broken pottery and try and fix it all up and make it perfect again, it's like, let's celebrate some of those things that happened. Let's acknowledge the past. And what they do is they fill the cracks with gold. Isn't that beautiful? And so instead of you know, pretending that it never happened, we acknowledge, hey, this is my past. But there's something beautiful that can be made out of that. And that's like for us too. We can grow through. We, yes, we've got scars, but scars can be made beautiful. And that's what Jesus can do in our lives. So are you ready to grow today, people? Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to grow up. <laughs> All right. So guys, I've got five points for you today. I've got five points. So if, you're, if you've got your iPad or iDevice, electronic, you're taking notes, um, we've got five things to go through and I've numbered them <coughs> for you so it's not too hard. The so first point is this, we need to learn patience in the delay. Oh, who loves that? Patience. Oh, I love patience. I love it. It's such a massive issue in our society now because patience is a dirty word, right? Patience. We hate patience. In fact, probably in your jobs, you're under pressure time-wise to get things done in time. If I go to McDonald's and I'm in the drive-thru and I have to wait 
oh, the arms go up, don't they? The huffing and the puffing, it's an extra minute to get my cheeseburger. And it's like purgatory, isn't it, when they send you to the waiting bay? Ah, I was on my way somewhere, I was in a rush, and now I'm in the waiting bay. It's like, oh, gosh, it's terrible. You know, you make that... um, you make that online purchase with such excitement. Oh, the new pair of undies that I've just ordered. The lipstick that I've ordered. The thing that I'm just waiting for. And then one day you get home and tucked under the doormat or into your screen door is this little card that says, Oh, we missed you today. Really sorry, but look, we've got your package waiting for you in Malaga in this sorting bin. <laughs> so you just have to go there and get it. Patience. We've, we've developed these micro-fuses about our lives now, and patience really is something that we hate so much. So look, check out this clip. This clip. It's all about patience and the way that God actually deals with our lives. So we've got this intense desire to get things done really quickly, but God, on the other hand, is interested in forming something substantial something real in our lives and anything that's worth doing takes time right you understand that so God works in seasons James 5 we'll kick it off at the beginning of uh, chapter 5 verse 7 he says be patient as you wait for the Lord's return consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen You too must be patient. There's a time lag, isn't there, between planting the seed and waiting for the harvest. You've got to plant it, you've got to wait for the seasons, for the rains, and then comes up the harvest. And that's like our lives. And we have to understand that God is working in our lives, working to do something really special, but it's going to take seasons, right? It's going to take time. I believe that that season of time, that that time lag between the promise that gets conceived in your heart and the fruition that comes after time is God's way of actually developing something full of faith, actually, in your own life. And I believe that He's sifting you in a very gentle and loving way. Very gentle. You know, God loves you so much and He wants you to have the thing that is put in your heart. He wants you to receive the dream, the thing that you're believing for. He wants you to have that. It's not like, I think sometimes we get so worried when the obstacles start to come in your way and you start to think to yourself, well, maybe I wasn't hearing right from God. Maybe it wasn't God after all. Maybe this dream is not real because of these things. But if you're willing to allow patience to have its work deep, deep down in your heart, what happens is you're walking along and all of a sudden you hit a detour, right? I know that I'm going in this direction, but all of a sudden there's this mountain in my way and the road leads me around in this direction. Now, if I'm patient, if patience is working out in my heart, I'm unshakable. That doesn't bother me because I know I've got patience. I know this is my destination. And I'll get around this mountain and I'll go through to the other side and I'm going to keep pushing onwards toward the destination, toward the goal. So God is working something deep in your heart through time. He's using that time. And I want you to be encouraged by that, to not be put off by that, but learn to develop that patience in your heart. That 
that faith to sink down deep into your very core. So uh, the new Hillsong album is out, and with much anticipation, we've been listening to it and loving it. Um, and anyway, there's this song that I just feel is so apt for today. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics. It's actually called Seasons, so that's, um, that's appropriate. This is some of, the, some of the lyrics. It says, Like the frost on a rose, winter comes for us all. Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience. Like seed in the snow, I've been buried to grow. For your promise is loyal from seed to sequoia. Though the winter is long, even richer the harvest it brings. Though my waiting prolongs, even greater your promise for me. Like a seed, I believe that my season will come. I can see the promise. I can see the future. You're the God of seasons. I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. You can see my promise even in the winter because you're the God of greatness even in a manger. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. It's the nature of God to work in our hearts in seasons. So we've got to get used to it. Might as well accept it that things are going to take time. So James goes on and he used the example of a guy called Job. Job. So Job's in the Old Testament. He's got a book of his own. And it's not called Job. J-O-B. Job. And uh, Job goes through a number of challenges. But this is what James' perspective on it is. Verse 11, he says, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end. For the Lord, I love this, is full of tenderness and mercy. Come on, tenderness and mercy. You don't, you've got to get a grip on the fact that God loves you. He loves you individually. He loves you and He's interested in you fulfilling the calling that He has on your life. You're not abandoned to the elements, just figure it out on your own. He has a specific plan and He's interested in you fulfilling it. And He's going to do it. I believe it in Jesus' name. Alrighty, you ready for number two? Number two is this. Responding to hardships. Oh, come on. Where's the fun in this message? Responding to hardships. So how do we respond when things go wrong? How do we respond to suffering, to difficulty? Well, James has got us covered once again. Verse 13, he says it straight. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. You should pray. He gives it to us straight up. Now, if you want to grow, we all want to grow, right? If you want to grow, one of the first things you've got to do is lose the victim mentality. It's got to go. It cannot stay. You cannot remain a, a victim. You know, I go, it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely bonkers when I go and s- talk to somebody and say, hey, how are you going? Smile on my face. Oh, this has just happened to me. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe my boss is being so unfair to me right now. You know, they're demanding that I work fast. They're demanding that I do this. Oh, I can't believe I've got to pay all this money to the ATO. It's just not fair. If you find yourself saying, it's not fair, that's a key. If you hear those words, it's not fair, that's a key of a victim mentality. 
Don't do it. Don't allow yourself to be a victim. And neither am I saying the opposite end of that spectrum is, I'm just going to ignore my circumstances and pretend they don't exist and I'm just going to plow on through. You know that sort of attitude? Sometimes you think, oh, I'm just going to go harder. I'm just going to push harder, push through these circumstances. I'm not talking about that either. We're not trying to sweep things under the carpet. God's, and, and James is saying it straight, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to go to God. He's the one who can listen to our moaning and our complaining. We can get it out to Him. And He does something transformative to your heart in that process. Something amazing happens in that interaction. He begins to transform those, transform those complaints, those worries and fears into something that's much more faith-filled. In fact, he gives you something very important, and it's called perspective. You need to get a bit of perspective. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Fantastic. That's the prescription for getting out of that victim mentality. That's the prescription for getting through difficulties and challenges. You need to take your worries and your fears. I'm not saying bury them. I'm not saying don't acknowledge them. I'm just saying don't moan about it to all your friends. Don't whinge about it to yourself. Actually go to God, talk, start the dialogue, begin to talk to Him. And the Holy Spirit does something that only He can do which is transforming you from the inside out, bringing change, bringing change. Okay, number three, get healing is the third thing on my list, get healing. He says in verse four, are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. The Lord will make you well. All right, what can we learn from this little passage? Number one, God actually wants to see you healed. He wants you to get better. Isaiah 53 verse 5, one of the many verses I was reading through during the week about healing. There's so many, but this is one which is... Fairly well known. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. And I'm not just talking about physical sickness, right? Because in this modern world that we live in, you know, some of the diseases that used to plague us many years ago, we don't have to worry about. I mean, we don't have malaria or we don't have, really in our modern world, HIV is not a big concern. In other countries, that's the major concern. But what are some of the things that plague us today? What about mental health? What about some of the things that grip people? I mean, goodness, the, the amount of people that I've met who struggle with mental um, challenges, face very difficult problems, and it's all up here in the mind. It's no different. That needs healing in the same way. Are we one of those churches that believes that sickness comes from God? I can tell you categorically no. I don't believe that. But really, honestly, it doesn't matter where the sickness comes from. 
whether it's spiritual or physical or emotional, God has got a pathway for you to walk out of it. He doesn't want you to remain in it. You're not supposed to stay in the sickness. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't stay there. He wants you to walk out of it. And he's got a pathway, a step-by-step process for you to walk on to get out of that sickness. You know, one of the big questions you need to ask yourself when you're sick is this one. Do you want to get well? Do you actually want to get better? That's the question that Jesus asked the, uh, the crippled man. Do you want to get well? And I think that's one of the keys to health. My second point is this. It's your responsibility to go and get prayer. It's your responsibility if you're sick. You can't just sort of wait for somebody to come along to you and fix you up. If you're sick and you're struggling, you need to put yourself in a place where you can find healing. Does that make sense? There's something very powerful if you believe in the power of prayer. If you believe that it's possible for you to get well. If you believe that, that's the first ingredient toward healing. It's actually, I can put myself in a place where I can get better. Do you know the story of the woman who had the issue of blood? It says that she pressed through the crowd and she said to herself, if only I can touch the hem of his robe. If I can touch the hem of his robe, I know that I'm going to get my healing. Something was going on on the inside of her before she ever got to Jesus. Before she got to the point of being being actually healed, she had decided in her own heart, if I get there, then I'm going to find healing. And that's the same for us. If we're struggling with sickness, we have to get ourselves to that point, believing if I can get prayer, if I can get to Jesus, I know that I'm going to find my healing. You know, every single week we've got, um, we make an opportunity for you to get prayer. So we invite our small group leaders to come up the front here and we can pray for you. Now, James's uh, description was about calling the elders of the church. Who are these elders? Elders just is, is what, it, what it sounds like, elders. They're, they're older people. They are people generally who've gone through a few ups and downs, through a few wrestles of their own, a few challenges of their own, and they've decided within themselves that God is real. No matter what my circumstance, I believe that he's strong and that he's able to heal. A faith-filled prayer from somebody like that, combined with your faith, your belief that you can get well, is that is gunpowder, is the explosive power that James is talking about. When those two things come together, that's when healing takes place. So I want to encourage you today, if you're sick, if you're challenged, whether it's physical, emotional, or a mental health, come and get prayer. Find somebody who's full of faith. Surround yourself with people who are full of faith. You know, I always say, if, if I want to get better at something, say I want to get better at managing money, I surround myself with people who are good at money, right? If I want to get better at doing woodwork, I'm going to get, surround myself with people who are good at woodwork because they're going to rub off on me. I'm going to start figuring some stuff out. If you want to get well, Surround yourself with people who are full of faith, people who are believing for good things. It will transform you. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to change in the twinkling of an eye, but you will change step by step by step. 
And the amount of miracles that I've heard about at Oasis Church in the very short time that we've been at church has been incredible. The amount of change that's going on in your midst. You don't realize the transformation. Like I said, I've said this many times, Christy and I have the benefit of hearing the stories come in, of people being transformed, people being set free. The eyes, you know, the light goes on, the freedom that comes. A lot of those things have happened slowly over time, but it's being in the environment, being in the environment of life. All right, guys, how are we going? We've got two more things to go. Number four, oh, it just keeps getting more fun, doesn't it? Number four, dealing with my sin. This is a feel-good message if, if there ever was one. Dealing with my sin. He says this, verse 16, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. There's a lot in that verse. There's a lot in it. There's definitely a link between wholeness and healing and sin. Now, I'm not saying that every sickness is to do with your sin. Not at all. But there is definitely a key between you getting your healing and your sin. So if there is any impediment to healing, make sure that you deal with it. And this is what James is talking about. Now, I know we don't like to talk about sin. In fact, we don't like to talk to one another about our own sin. But is there anyone in this room who could put their hand up and say, well, look, I don't have a problem with sin. It's not my thing. Any hands? My hand's down too, by the way. We're all the same, right? We're all, we all got stuff. We've got things that we struggle with that we're not perfect about. So let's just get that right from the, the get-go. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone's got their struggles. Everyone's got their hang-ups. Nobody's perfect. No one's the shining light, nor should they be. So I would encourage you that what James is talking about has a lot of power to it. We need to make it a priority. I know we don't want to air our dirty laundry, but we need to find a way of being able to talk to somebody about our struggles. Why do you think AA is so powerful? Why do you think it's so powerful? Because at the beginning of every time they get together, everyone before they talk, they stand up and they say, Hi, I'm Michael, and what? And I'm an alcoholic. Why do they say that? They're confessing their sins to one another. It's getting it out in the open. Hey, this is a level playing field. We all need help. We all need help. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? I reckon you can't do it on a Sunday morning. It's not going to happen out there in the foyer, is it? How are you going, man? All you want to say is good because I'm picking up my kids or, you know, there's a crowd, I've got the footies just about to start, whatever thing that you're running off to. It's not going to happen on a Sunday. You've got to, we've got to create other opportunities for us to build relationships that, where there's a bit of trust, right? There's a bit of trust, a bit of real life. You do a bit of life with somebody for a while, and you start to be willing to share a little bit more with them. And that's what small groups is all about. That's why we go on and on and on about small groups. Because we believe the power of those relationships that you build with those people around you. Eventually, we'll get you, get you to that point 
you're willing enough to open up and share with somebody about your struggle. I want to encourage you all, 100%, we all should be in some form of small group. We've got to do it. We've got to make it a priority. And you might say to yourself, well, yeah, but I don't really struggle at any of that stuff at the moment. I'm going good. Awesome. That's so good. Even more opportunity for you to be part of a small group for somebody who is struggling, for somebody who's going through some stuff. If you're strong, great. Be a source of help for somebody else. Help a brother out. Help a sister out. Colin and Carolyn. Colin's up the back here today. Wave your arm around, Colin. Um, Colin's our small group, and Carolyn, they're our small group coaches. So if you're interested in joining a small group, have a chat with Colin. Otherwise, you can go to our website, as the news said, www.oasischurchperth.com, or at the, um, what's it called, Connect Desk near the front doors. All those opportunities, we make it easy for you to get part of a small group. And it's easy, like so they only run for term, um, and it's a great way for you to build some friendships in the church. All right, point number five, <clears throat> this is my last one, and it's this, living a powerful life. Living a powerful life. This is James really just tying it in a bow. Verse 16, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I love that. Powerful to be reckoned with. Another translation, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. If you want your prayers to have a bit of more punch, a bit more power, if you're willing to attend <clears throat> to those other four things that we've just been talking about, if you can work with those things, allow patience to be worked out in your life, if you can learn to pray and talk to God through your hardships, if you can get yourself in a place to find healing, and if you're willing to confess your sins to one another, you will find much more power in your prayers. You will begin to walk out of shame, out of darkness. Instead of being all clouded, you'll gain clarity in, what, in your decision making. You'll have fresh zeal in your life. Your prayers will accomplish much more than they ever could before. Now these five things, I know they're not easy, are they? They're big, meaty, hard things. But this is the prescription that James has given us. And you know what? From 2,000 years ago when it was written to today, it's still the same. We're still the hard works required. And really, it's all about getting your house in order, isn't it? Get your stuff sorted out. Do it. The responsibility <clears throat> is not on Christy and me so much. It's on you. You individually one day will be standing before God and He'll ask you about your life. And the responsibility... <clears throat> will lay on your own shoulders your responsibility to get yourself well again. Jesus did the hard yards. He did the hard work, didn't he? 2,000 years ago, he paid the ultimate price so that we could do these things, so that we could walk in freedom. We can walk into it. We've got to apply it. We've got to take those things, apply it to our lives. And if we walk out through it, and the Holy Spirit will make it easy for you, I promise, if you're willing to do that, you're going to walk in freedom like never before. You're going to walk through with clarity, with vision, with hope, with desire, and your life is going to be a different life. I promise you 100%. And you will be a source of strength for all of those people around about you. You're going to transform your world. If you do this stuff, you will transform your world. And I 100% believe that Oasis Church is going to change this community. 
It's going to change this community one person at a time. It's not like big marketing campaigns. Yeah, sure, that stuff's great. But it's our transformation from the inside out that people look around, well, you're different. Why are you so different? What's going on in your life? Well, I know a guy. I know this thing. I've I've been living this way and it's changed me. People are looking for that, I promise you. They're not looking for religion. They're looking to sort their lives out. If you can model that, it's attractive. It's like like a moth to a flame. They're going to be drawn. They're going to be drawn. 